Mic check, mic check, can they hear us now? Good! What is up everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to the show. And shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks, the easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. When you use code COMBO, if you put in $100, Prize Picks will match you $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's get into it. All right, here we go. Salute to NBA Nation on this Saturday morning. A little like morning matinee type edition of the NBA Report, man. CP the Franchise, Al Charles, Andrew South, the one-two combo in the building on this Saturday. On today's show, the Celtics and the Dubs are on a collision course, man. We're going to talk about both of these two teams because, hey, the Celtics have been the hot, hot team, but the Warriors are surging. After getting that eighth straight road win, the dubs are coming, man. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, Wemby has shut down the Rookie of the Year talks, man. We're going to talk about the brilliance of Victor Wembenyama. So lock in, hit the like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. Another edition of the NBA Report, man. Let's get it going. Salute, salute, salute. All right, fellas. Happy Saturday, man. How we feeling, man? Happy Saturday. Good, good. Yeah. Happy Saturday, bro. And hey, we get to talk basketball on the weekend. How yeah, nice is that? Yeah. Rainy Saturday. Rain, it is. Rainy Saturday, man. Is it is it rainy for Alex or just us? No, it's yeah. not raining yet. Not okay, yet. Okay, so, okay. you know, it's just cloudy outside. It's muggy. You know, it makes you want to stay inside. Yeah. Still do whatever. Yeah, rain, rainy Saturday, man, here in New York. Salute to everybody in the chat. I see John Talento in here. Mr. Dunn's exploding daisy. Salute, salute. All right, man, let's get right into it because up in your neck of the woods, Al, the Boston Celtics remain hot, getting their 10th win in a row against a team that was hot in their own right, the Dallas Mavericks, man. And Boston just beat the brakes out of, off of them, 138 to 110. You had seven Celtics in double figures. 52 made field goals, 33 assists. They go 21 of 43 from downtown and obliterate the Mavs in the fourth quarter, 36 to 20, man. The Celtics team is hot, man. I'm out kick us off. What's your, what's your take on where things are with Boston, man? Well, they had it's it's like they continue to strive from what they had at the beginning of the season, right? They have one of the best five, probably best six in the NBA right now, and they're just a buzzsaw, and they're also the most healthiest team out there. You know, you think about teams in the Eastern Conference, Sixers don't have Joel Embiid. Knicks are, are demolished with injuries right now. Yeah. Cavs, like, they're just starting to get everybody back, but the Cavs don't have that offensive and defensive versatility like the Celtics do, and so they're a clear cut ahead of everybody else. So when you just continue to watch a team just take advantage of teams that are either, you know, have or, or, or who are dealing with a lot of injuries or just don't have the talent the depth of talent, like you're just going to see the Celtics shine, which is, I get why they're the favorites, right? The way yeah. that they're just manhandling everybody in the league right now is just on another level. And 
to be honest, like when they started, it was good, but you think that it takes time for players to get acclimated, right? You just added Drew Holiday. You just added Christoph Porzingis, yeah. two guys that have never been to this rotation. You shift the lineup, right? You're putting Tatum down at the four. You're putting Brown at the three, guys who played a position up prior to. And to think that, you know, they had to get used to that situation at the beginning this, of this year, and now they're comfortable. Now they're playing at a high level. It, this is... I'm looking forward, man, to seeing if this team can take it the distance because in the past, it's this team falls short. But yeah. the way they're playing right now, you have to like what you're seeing from the Celtics. I mean, KP's just playing out of his mind. Tatum is playing like uh, – like you can understand why he's in MVP conversations, but he really shouldn't just because of the depth on the team. But then you start seeing those two, and it's just, it's just so dynamic yeah. with the outside shooting that you don't know how to stop a team like that. Last five games – They've won by a combined 127 points. They've had to play just six crunch time minutes. Crunch time being defined as when the game is five minutes to go in the fourth and the game is within five points. So they've been obliterating teams, basically. And when it comes to the fourth quarter, you're, you're not even in the same stratosphere as them. 127 combined points. They've won the last five games, man. I totally agree with Alex when it comes down to health because so much of this comes down to the X factor, Porzingis, the original unicorn. Can he stay healthy? I think yeah. that's so big for them. I mean, this team has the luxury of having three players who are superstars in their role. Like, we looked at Andrew Wiggins. I mean, yeah. he just recently went on another hiatus, but when they won a championship, superstar in his role. Aaron Gordon, superstar in his role. They have Porzingis, Drew Holiday, and Derek Wright and Derek White, who are yeah. all superstars in their role. And that make that is making things so easy for them in the playoffs. I mean, they're rolling by easy now. I want to see this in the playoffs. I think if a series goes five or six, they'll be straight. But once it gets to seven, I want to see if Jason Tatum could come up big in those situations. And that's what it's all going to come down to if some of these series get close in the Eastern Conference. And, and speaking of Tatum, I want to get to the soundbite after their win last night where you know as Andrew as you mentioned and, and Alex you mentioned the the depth that they have is just ridiculous right now and here's Jason Tatum just in terms of their approach I mean we had seven Celtics in double figures last night here's Tatum on uh, on just where things are with with the rotation yeah uh and I think it's like you said the we all have to sacrifice something and I think um just understanding the this window that we have with this this team is very unique that um, you know our team doesn't call for me to dominate the ball uh, and you know necessarily have to make every single play and that's not like it's not a bad thing um, it's just the dynamic of our team doesn't necessarily call for that uh, so it, in, a, in a sense it kind of makes life easier at, at times right you know we've won 10 games in a row it's nothing to really complain about uh you know we're, we're on the right track yeah as he said man i mean th th and that's the thing with this boston team is that yes it's tatum and brown and it's still to me it's still gonna come down to tatum and brown but you have so much now that they you know remember coming into the season their depth was into question like do they have enough with just pritchard coming off the bench but it's not just pritchard it's hauser um you know they br brought in drew holiday you could see drew holiday knocking down a clutch three in in the playoffs right but porzingis to me 
is a swing factor for this team this year. And just like you said, Andrew, if he stays healthy, there's no reason why this team shouldn't win the championship because they're, they're loaded. They could kill you from three. They bomb away from three. Tatum and Brown playing well, but poor Zingas, man. The, he can swing things for them and making them a triple threat or a dual threat in the way that they play the two-man game. Or, you know, it may be like late in shot clocks, you dump it down to Porzingis. You got a seven foot three guy that could turn around and jump shoot over anybody and maybe get you a clutch shot in, in crunch time. Loaded. Totally agree, yeah. CP. And, you know, it's got like they're in totally different stages of their career, and we're going to get to Chet. But Chet filled every gap for OKC, and Porzingis has filled every gap for this Celtics team in a similar way. Two unicorns, different stages of their career, but both filled those gaps. And I mean, Porzingis is literally a superstar in his role, as I said, of the mold of um, a Wiggins or a Gordon, like just fills every gap. He's an all-star level player playing a role right now. I think the impressive thing, I think the impressive thing about this lineup is that I just look at the versatility, right? Like you have KP who is a shot blocker. You know, you have Drew Holiday who can guard bigs and who can guard guards. You have Derek White, who's just really good on the perimeter. And with when you have a defense, a team that could be so switchable on defense, like you think you have a mismatch, and you really don't, and you don't have a mismatch at any point throughout the game. And so to have that defensively is so key for the Celtics team because I feel like in in past where we watched the Celtics team, yeah, they've been good on defense, but they haven't necessarily been like that switchable and that versatile. Like when I think about Rob yeah. Williams, like even though he played because we cover the Knicks closer to the Mitchell Robinson role. He was he's not the greatest at guarding the pick and roll. You could still get by him. You could put him on a uh, a guard that can get that can get past him. But now that you have somebody like KP who's such a a good deterrent, even when KP is chasing, you know, there's never a chance that there's never you can't have confidence that you're always going to get that easy layup, right? Yeah. He could do as we see like what Wemby or or Chet does and just block something on the backboard, stick it, grab it and then push in transition. And that's the type of stuff for this team, I think, is going to be huge in the playoffs because if you think you got to play a team like the Knicks or Miami and you got to go, you know, you're going to have a defensive battle, you want to know at least you can get into those series and say that we can at least stop these guys and make it difficult for them. Because if you think about Miami and how they were a buzzsaw last year, like they were shooting above them, like above what they were able to do from three. They were shooting over 50% at one point and still shooting over 40% from downtown. And that even though they had guys like Marcus Smart and Grant Williams, the fact that they didn't have uh, Robert Williams, you know, that changes everything. Like you get, that changes the entire outlook of of the series. And so now they have KP. And to Andrew's point, if he stays healthy, this team could go really go far. Sky's the limit, man. I, I think the thing that's one of the most impressive things for me is just how efficient they've been in the half court on both ends of the court. Think about this defensively; they sport a top two defense in the league. And probably the bottom in terms of turnover percentage. And so it's not like they're going after there. They're creating transition opportunities themselves. They just lock up individually as a team. The way Porzingis is roaming and protecting the rim. You got the best defensive backcourt in the league. And they're not even creating transition buckets off of turnovers. They just go out there and lock up. And then on the other side... I was reading this stat. I think it was um, from one of the, the Celtics reporters on The Athletic. During this 10-game stretch, they've been last in the league in transition buckets. 
And so their offense has been so dynamic. They're blowing guys out, and they're just getting it done. They're just getting buckets, man. Um, But, Andrew, I want to kick it over to you because your Milwaukee Bucks won last night, too. And they haven't lost (laughs) since the All-Star break. So let's shift gears, man. Who's the biggest threat to the Seas right now? Who's the biggest threat? Those Bucks, you know it, CP. It's those Bucks, man. Dame Talk Dollar. about it. What do you think, man? Dame Dollar was locked in in Indy. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was locked in. <laughs> the three-point champ. The three-point champ. You see what he was doing in the All-Star yeah. game? <laughs> what, did I, what did I tell you guys? When it matters most, he comes up big. And we saw that in the All-Star game. Nah, but all jokes aside, I mean, like, I truly believe in this team. And I still do. And I think... You know, Doc Rivers has been getting a lot, partly because, you know, speaking of the All-Star game, like, he was the All-Star coach. That was ridiculous. He knew that was ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, there has been some defensive things that have looked better, and they've been going more drop coverage, which is more in their character. Their I, I think I, I think that's good for them, and I think we're going to start to see a switch in results starting now, and, and I've been harping this. Like, I just believe in Dame and Giannis as playoff performers. Mm. more than Tatum and Brown. And Brown has looked great, too. I don't think we talked enough about Brown. He has looked great attacking the rim consistently, even more consistently than Tatum. Like last night, not to keep harping on um, the Tatum hate, but the the first half he wasn't attacking. Keep it rolling, Andrew. Let him know. The first half he wasn't attacking. Why can't he do that for the whole game? Why not? Why can't he just attack for the whole game? Like you have that ability. So I just think that Giannis and Dame are going to be locked in for the playoffs. And that duo is truly dynamic. Um, yeah. Going back to the Celtics, like there's a few teams I'm worried about when it comes to the Celtics. Yeah. Miami, we know playoff Jimmy is a real thing. Even your guys, New York Knicks, I believe in Brunson in crunch time than, than the Celtics top two players. Like yeah. I think he has that mentality. So, you know, who's the biggest threat to the season? It's still the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks. and I like what they're doing defensively. And, and Bucks are, are creeping up on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the standings. I believe they might be just like one game out from the second seed. So the Bucks are surging, haven't lost since the All-Star break. And as you said, you know, the warts and all, they still have the ability to have the two best players on the court in the, this entire dance. When you look at Giannis and, T- and Dame, like they still have a chance every series they go into – they will likely have the best two players on the court in, in tandem. You know what I'm saying? Especially with Gian- Giannis is killing on both ends of the floor right now. He's absolutely just destroying cats. And so that gives them a saving grace. What about those Knicks, Al? You know, Andrew mentioned the Knicks. The Knicks are the Knicks at full strength a threat to the Boston Celtics. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Like, and this is not even just being I'm not even trying to be a homer. But okay. when you think okay. about how this team is physically like constructed this team matches what the Celtics can do defensively in my eyes, because if you want to think about, all right, Celtics, you think about versatility, more of a finesse type style. I think the Knicks as more of a aggressive, we're going to beat the living daylights out of you. So if you want to get physical, the Knicks will gladly get physical. And if you want to keep up with that, I would love to see it on top of that. You're talking about a healthy OG and a guy who's known to stop Jason Tatum. That changes everything in Boston's favor because a lot of what they do, it's through Tatum and Brown. I'm, I I am concerned about Brown. Brown has been shooting very well. He's shooting 55% over the last 10 games, averaging 22 yeah. points. Like Brown, we just saw him against the Knicks CP. He can just be aggressive from the get-go, and he likes to do that. As Tatum was talking about to Jared Weiss, Tatum likes to play the chess game and decides when he wants to start getting activated. 
Brown is the type of guy that likes to str- open, like from the gate, from the jump, a guy who wants to punch you in the mouth and make it, make his presence known. But for Tatum, because they want to run everything through Tatum, he is the better, you know, three-level score uh, between both of them. If you could stop Tatum from doing what he does and put it all on Jalen Brown, we've seen this in the past in the finals. It really puts a hamper on what they try to do. And if you think about, all right, now you're stop- stopping Tatum, you will try to manage Brown. And not saying completely stop Tatum, like getting 19, 20 points is still yeah, an accomplishment yeah. to do in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, no shy of that. But if you tell me you're going to contain Tatum, make him have to really work. Brown's going to have, you know, maybe he could do something for Brown, put Josh Hart on him or something along those lines. And then you try to match the bigs. I think the Knicks have a chance to take a distance and go seven games. Not saying they'll win, but I think yeah. you go to a game seven, it can go anyone's favor. All the Think about game sevens, man. Guys are nervous. Yeah. Guys feel the pressure. You know, if you're the Knicks, what do you have to lose? Let's say they do get that. Let's say... You know, seeding permits. They meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Knicks were even projected to be there. Yeah, you want to go make it. But, hey, you're at a dance no one was even projecting you to be at. Celtics, they got all the pressure, man. Those storylines, the narratives that could change for them. So, Knicks wouldn't have anything to lose. Celtics only, would have a lot. Only issue, well, I see a lot of issues with the match. I don't like the matchup. I don't like the matchup. I think the, the defensive backcourt with the Celtics can slow Brunson down. And they will make him work on the other end, especially White, man. He's a pest out there. I think so. That's a tough one in a series for the Knicks. The Tatum-Randall matchup, because he's going to have to guard one of those guys. He's going to have to guard either Tatum or Brown on the defensive end. I think that's tricky. Now, on the other end, they would have to guard him. But if he's going to be limited with the shoulder, is he going to be the same guy? Is he going to take advantage of them being smaller opponents? I think that's a tough one. And then the Porzingis matchup. Haven't been able to solve that at all this season no team can can really do that you know who's going to guard him at seven foot three guy at 27 feet 27 feet out like it, it's just it's just hard to cover I, I think they're a tough cover for the Knicks Cleveland same thing I just feel like you know where their strengths are is in the backcourt which is also where Boston's strengths are defensively so I think I, that could be a, a neutralizing factor for Cleveland I think Boston will be more physical with them I don't necessarily see the Cavs being able to stop Boston defensively. I think I don't Miami think physical well, enough either. That's what I said. That's what I said. Oh, Who, okay, Cleveland, okay. Cleveland. You said right? Yeah, yeah. I, I said yeah. I don't either. think they're physical enough to to handle Boston, especially from the wing position. Right. Like they right. Can't, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I still can't count out Miami, man. I, I still can't count out Miami. That playoff Jimmy's a real thing. Playoff Jimmy. They have the defense to muddy it up. You know, the threes might not fall every night. You know what I'm saying? Those threes might not fall every night. And Miami has that chance to really muddy it up. You get playoff Jimmy in there. Bam is once again playing great. You got Hawkeyes stepping in. A healthy hero going into the and Now you got Rozier at the point. I think Miami can muddy it up a little bit. Andrew, final comment, then, then we'll go to the, the, to the dubs. If the Celtics lose to Miami, we will not talk about the Celtics on this podcast ever again. <laughs> ever again. They're, they're, they're done. done. They're done. They're done. Yeah, they're, they're done. done yeah, I they're agree done. with that. I agree with <laughs> that, man. It, it, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal, man. All right, so that's the C's. Now let's talk about the Dubs, man, because the, the Dubs are the West's hottest team, having won their eighth straight on the road, went into Toronto last night, 
having gotten into Toronto at 7 a.m. The flight, crazy plane delays, couldn't get out of New York, got to Toronto at 7 a.m., second night of a back-to-back, and was still able to get it popping, man, and getting a win on the road against the Raptors. You had Steph going off from three, Kaminga putting in work again, solid night for Kaminga. He finished with 24 and 6, 9 and 19 shooting from the field, 25 for the chef, 7 of 15 from downtown. You had Clay back in the starting lineup with uh with Podzimski was hurt. Clay with 14. Moses Moody, 17.7 to 13, 3 of 5 from downtown. And then CP3 adding in 13 and 5 off the bench, man. Dubson now 32 and 27. They're battling in the West. Uh, Al, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about with the dubs right now, man? They're turning it around, man. It's funny how we had that report on how the young guys were didn't know if they could believe in Steve Kerr, right? And then from that, you get Kaminga in the starting rotation. Now with Wiggins missing time, you're going to have Moses Moody in the starting rotation at the small forward position. You put Clay on the bench, and you put Pods in that starting rotation. Uh, it's 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 great to see... Kerr really embrace the youth and give them the opportunity because it is because of that lineup change that now you get a little bit more athletic. You give guys that that confidence that they can go out there and compete instead of holding them back. And now you start to see the Warriors go on this tear, man. And, you know, when you have a guy like Steph Curry, you just see what the athleticism and the guys that they're able to run out there with. It's reminiscent of what they did with Clay and Draymond back in the day. You need to make sure that you have guys are capable of pushing out transition, pressuring the rim, and creating that open shot creation for Steph Curry. So I think it's a good thing to see for the Warriors. And then you have Draymond, who's just, you know, he still could do Draymond things defensively, be that uh, be that guy who can facilitate as well. And just even against the Knicks, man, you just see how he's talking to Kaminga and how he's talking to everybody on the bench and just hyping yeah. them up. And that's the role player that you want to see and the veteran that you want to see, I should say that veteran leadership in order to keep these guys activated and engaged throughout a game and throughout the rest of the season. But now with the Warriors at the way they're turning it around, do you guys believe that this could be a feisty team in the play-in? Like, do you think they can get out of the play-in? But let's start with, is this yeah. a feisty team for the play-in? For, for sure. Um, because they they did the right thing. They handed the keys, not necessarily all of it, but you got to buy in with the youth. That was the only way they were going to move this thing forward because they were aging, they were getting injury prone, and there was the over reliance on Clay, Draymond, and CP3. You had to get Kaminga in the mix. He got tight. He was ready to get up out of there. He was like, "Yo, I'm unhappy with my role." What happened when when they changed it up, gave him more minutes and more opportunity? He's killing right now. He's giving them what they need consistently from Wiggins. And Wiggins is all over the place. He's going through a personal thing right now, so we'll be sensitive to that. But Kaminga's giving you what you need from Wiggins on a night-in and night-out basis. His athleticism on both ends of the floor has been stark. He he went in on the Knicks. We watched that firsthand. And then last night he puts in, uh, what did I say, 24, 24 points, 9 and 19 shooting from the field, two dimes, six boards. So he's been great. You, you, you infuse the youth with Pozimski, him and Steph, have a nice one-two game going because they can play off of each other. He can shoot. He can dribble. I think he's at, he's at about like 38% from three. Then you get Trace Jackson Davis, right? That's your athletic big man. Like, they infuse mm-hmm. all these guys. And then Moody, some nights he's getting DMPs, but every night I watch him, he can get you some buckets. 
You know what I mean? He hustles out there. He might not be the, the staunchest defender, but he can he can get it popping out there. You got to infuse that youth to help. Steph is going to be Steph, but you got to infuse that youth to make up for the deficiencies that Clay's now bringing later on in, in his career with the injuries. His move to the bench was solid, and his buy-in was even better because now you can bring him off the bench with CP3. CP3's back. He's running the offense. He's getting guys organized. He can get Clay his shot still. They're clicking right now, man. Draymond bringing the defense back. They're clicking, bro. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, a lot of what they lacked was athleticism. And you guys mentioned it. They leaned into the youth. Moody, Kaminga, Green, they're switchable on defense. They looked a lot better on that side of the floor. And, you know, the Wiggins hiatus is unfortunate, but sometimes the obstacle is the way. And I think that's the case when it comes to Moody. Like, now we know what we have. We're going with Moody. This happened with the Cavs when they had their injuries. They leaned into Mitchell. And they leaned into Allen, and they got better. And they kind of figured out who they were. And I think that's happening here with the Warriors. They have looked a lot better. And when you have Steph Curry, you always have a chance. So I think they're definitely feisty when it comes to the play-in and yeah. even the playoffs. For sure. I mean, like, you know, are they championship contenders, Al? No, but when you look at the West standings, for, it's it's going to be a dogfight. Like, I can't, I can't wait for the West playoffs because – Every matchup from playing on is going to be ridiculous. But, um, you know, if you look at the standings, I'm just pulling it up here. And salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. They are ninth right now. So they're right there and playing. Mm -hmm. You got Sacramento right there. They just had a big win over the Timberwolves without, um, who are they down? Without Fox. You got the Mavs who have been playing well. You got the Lakers. You just never know with LeBron and AD. It's going to be a dogfight. But I'll tell you what. I don't know if Minnesota or OKC wants to see an experienced Dubs team with this youth infusion in the first round of a playoff should they get out of the the uh, the playing. I'll tell you this. If I look at, I think the Thunder could hold their weight against the Warriors because they think they have the versatility to do so. I'd be more so worried about the Timberwolves because I don't think they have the scoring to keep up with somebody like Steph Curry. And then if you have Clay coming off the bench like, I like Nas Reed as a six-man, man. But, like, when I think about Nas Reed coming off the bench and then you're telling me Chris Paul and Clay Thompson are just running. Talk about two-season guys who've been in the league for over 10 years who know how to get their shots yeah. and now who are thriving in those roles. Uh, Nas Reed, to me, is not enough to maintain a Clay and CP uh, bench unit. And then you tell me that your starting unit is going to have to cape up with the shooting of Steph Curry plus the athleticism of Kaminga. You have to keep up with Draymond, who understands defensively what to do. Uh, that's tough, man. I think yeah. Minnesota would be in trouble as much as I like Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns having a good season. You know, Rudy Gobert, always great during the regular season defensively. He's a stalwart. But to rely on Rudy Gobert in the playoffs, we know that hasn't worked out for the Utah Jazz. And I don't expect it to work out for the Minnesota Timberwolves yeah. either. I think he could be played off the court. So, you know, if you're going to have somebody like Draymond Green playing the five and just running up and down the court, you're going to ask Rudy to have to keep up with that. So I think if there is a team that the Timberwolves should not want to see, it is the Golden State Warriors. Andrew, you know? when, you, when you look at that that quadrant, that playing quadrant, we go by strength of the schedule. And, you know, I kind of take strength of the schedule with a grain of salt because the games still have to be played. But uh, Lakers are number four right now in terms of strength of schedule. So they've got the fourth hardest schedule remaining. Uh, um, Golden State 22nd, Dallas 23rd, and Sacramento is 16th in terms of strength of schedule. Utah Jazz is finished. So the, these are the four that are going to be in contention for that play-in. 
hey, Pelicans could slip into that as well. What, what do you think? I like the Mavericks because they've been so hot recently. Um, you know, even though they struggled against the Celtics last night, I think Kyrie and Luka Doncic, they're like just too tough to guard in the regular season, and yeah. I think they'll ascend upwards. I mean, Warriors are looking strong. I wanted to kind of talk to um, Alex's point about the Timberwolves, and I think with Anthony Edwards, you know, him playing against like a Warriors team, often your best player isn't the X factor, but I think he is because he can bring that old, that team over the top offensively. But if he's not elite Anthony Edwards, uh, you're right. I don't think they have enough offense. So like he's the biggest X factor. And it was, when it comes to OKC, I want to see SGA go up against the Warriors or Lakers and yeah. take one of those teams out so he can become a household name in the NBA. But yeah. the Western Conference is so interesting. I mean, some of these play-ins could have really high ratings and be like really interesting. Stacked. So. I think that, you know, the NBA is in a good place and the Western Conference, when it comes to the playing, it, it, it's going to be so fun when we yeah. get to that time. And we, I think we could all look in hindsight and say, this playing thing was a good idea. It's a great it's idea. A great idea. Get great up. idea. I mean, look, you just all the way down to the Lakers, we're talking about 33 and 28. There's no one that's losing. In the West, I mean, in the East, you can go look at the Bulls who yeah. are under 500. The Hawks are under 500. The West, like, to be in the plan, you have to be a winning team. Right after the Lakers is the Utah Jazz, who are 11th. They're 27-33. and 33. So we already know that the Western Conference, you got to be on your A game to play. And to be honest, this is a little looking ahead. I can't wait to watch Houston and Memphis next season because I think that those two teams are going to be competitive as well. And then it's really going to be a dogfight. Those teams like Houston, I know they're a young team. They still got to add talent. You have guys that got to develop. Memphis, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. But just think, if you had, especially Memphis this year, you would have 11 teams who potentially could be, who could have winning records, and somebody with a winning record could be out of the play-in. The West is stacked. It's absolutely stacked. Yeah. yeah. Another another reason why I think the Celtics won't win the title. I mean, I think one of these West teams will beat them inevitably, if they even get there. Well, who would it be? Yeah, well, I, I mean, mean I, I mean, we yeah, I we, I we think, did talk I, I about the East. Beating Denver. We, you yeah, don't think they can beat Denver? No. I, I think Murray's Murray's health is going to be a question mark, man. He <laughs> yeah. hasn't yeah. had a chance to like. I mean, you know, last year was was a kind of recovery year for him as well, and then in the, in the playoffs, he absolutely went off. So maybe there still is time, but it's just man, it's been a tough playoff. Murray is that a thing? Could, like, could be a thing. Could be. A oh, thing. that I mean, playoff Murray is is always a thing. I mean, he yeah. just had like. Like, Jokic had kind of an off night and still had a triple-double versus the Kings the other night. Yeah. And Murray had, like, 28, took over the game. I mean, but when it matters most, and you have Jokic, obviously, if you don't have Murray, you're right, CP. I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough. Just like with with, uh, Porzingis with the Celtics. Like, if you don't have that guy, you know, it's going to be tough. But, I mean, when it matters most, Jokic comes up big and finds a way to win in the clutch. He just, like, picks teams apart. They could be, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. the champs. You got to respect the champs. They they could mm-hmm. definitely beat the Seas. How about the Clips, man? How about my team? My, my little West team. How oh, you feel? CP? Wait, wait, CP, CP. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sensitive times. Sensitive times. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, I don't know what Harden was doing in Indy, but it's not looking the same right now. I mean, it's looking kind of off. It's looking kind of off. They do need they do need Paul George back and healthy. But look, man. You know, the, the the clash against Boston. Boston went into L.A. And, and beat the brakes off of them. L.A. went into Boston, beat the brakes off of them. 
you got four guys you got to tangle with now. Now Brody's going to be out for how long is Brody out? Because he, oh, he yeah. just hurt himself. So that could be a little bit interesting. But I just think like on that wing-wing matchup where you have PG and Kawhi, Tatum, Brown, how does the zoo box factor into it with, with Porzingis? Like they have the size to, to contend. They can play physical. You've got the Terrence man, Derek White. They kind of like that Spider-Man meme, you know what I mean? In the way that they they're kind of the wild card for their teams. I think the Clips, man. Clips are still a sleeper for me, man. Can we can we agree that the top four teams in the West are the teams you have to worry about, or or, or the top four teams I would say in the West are probably Western Conference Finals bound. Is that fair to say? So who has who has who do you think has the best chance outside of those four? I think I, the Mavericks. I just don't know if they're strong enough defensively, man. I yeah, last, the, last night they looked bad defensively. That, I Mavericks. just don't know. I just don't know. Like the Kyrie Luka thing, of course, right? It's just like and a game. That's why I have to go like, back on because offensively, those guys can just create for themselves. And if they, if you could just alternate between those guys back and forth in a game where it's like, all right, like deal with Kyrie for four. Yeah, you have to deal with somebody for forty-eight minutes. It's not like. It's not like Kyrie's alone as he was on the Cavs. Like, okay, we could slow Kyrie down because he's going to get tired at some point. Kyrie could legitimately take a break, and then it could be the Luka show, and then go yeah. back to the Kyrie show, or vice versa. And that's a lot for defense to, to game game plan for. And those guys are killers, unlike Tatum. Yeah. Never mind. Let's proceed. <laughs> a- absolutely, man. So... <laughs> Uh, we we gotta we, yo Andrew throwing shade to Tatum. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Tatum, prove prove me wrong, Tatum. We'll see. But if you lose to the Heat, we're not talking about you next year. Let's go. We'll see, man. Uh, <laughs> fellas, we gotta talk about this rookie race, the rookie of the year race, because it's so interesting that um, that you know it started off with Chet. You know, Chet was the guy. It was Chet. It was Chet. It was Chet. But Wemby has come back. He's come back strong, and in their penultimate matchup, he got the best of them. How about the signature block on Chet to wrap the game up? And I, I just love, first of all, that they already know their rivals. Like, they don't like each other. With the first game, the first matchup between the two, you could just you could see the beef. I mean, it was crazy. Pause. But, like, you know, these two guys are going crazy, but Wemby, man, he, he clapped back. He clapped back in a major way. Uh, San Antonio getting the win. And Wembyama becoming the first. Who's the first player with uh, 25 to produce 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 blocks, and 5 threes in a single game. How are your thoughts, man? Wemby Manian, bro. Yo, Wemby is now. I think the thing that impresses me most about Wembyama is that. Started off the season slow, was up and down, but now it just seems like he's just found a groove. And to do that as a rookie, and for a guy who played internationally, and remember CP, when we talked with draft experts, they said he plays once a week, right? Most of it is practice. They play once a week. So will he be able to handle the 82-game regular season of the NBA? Well, he said, shut up about that top talking point because I can. And I figured this, I figured out the pace. I figured out my game much faster than what everyone anticipated. And I think when you watch him, he's just so, I mean, what can't he do? And to do it as a rookie and for him to progressively get better as the season moves along, that's the most impressive part of Victor Wembanyama. I'm looking forward to him and Chet being that matchup for years to come because 
both those guys, you know, same height. It kind of feels like, I know it's not exact, but it's like the Tim Duncan, Kevin Durant, the Spurs Thunder battles that we see in the playoffs every year for many years to come. And it's always a good matchup. But these guys are very similar in play style. And it's just so much fun. But for Wemby, man, it's just been, he's been so, so good. I'm just shocked that he's able to learn the game so quickly at such a young age. I talked about, you know, I've been talking about Chet um, since the draft. A lot of people were skeptical about Chet, you know, said he was too skinny. And I thought he was going to be great. Obviously, he had that gap year when he couldn't play. But, I mean, the efficiency he's played with, impact on winning, how he changed that team defensively, filled every gap. Absolutely amazing. And probably if this was any other year, he'd be the rookie of the year. But it happens to be a year where Wemby is a rookie. Yeah. And this race is absolutely over. It's over. Wemby is Wemby's Wemby's the rookie of the year. And with these two guys, I mean, these guys are rookies. And Chet is probably a top 35 player in the NBA already. Yeah. Wemby might be a top 15 player in the NBA already. And they're just rookies. They're going to get better. They're going to get better. It, it's uh, it's great for the league. Um, I'm mm-hmm. excited for the league, especially when you're looking at a post-LeBron, post-Steph era where it's going to be, you know, that who's the face of the league, what, where is the league going to go to. The rivalries are no more. Everybody's hugging after the game. They're exchanging jerseys, blowing kisses, whatever. You know, these two guys are like, nah. I'm trying to kill you. I'm trying to kill you. I'm trying to establish myself as the most dominant big in the game. And they're starting off as rookies. So this is going to be like your KG Duncan matchup, you know, your your rivalry for years to come. I'm very much looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, with Wemby, thank God San Antonio, you know, wrapped up the Jeremy Sohan at the point experiment because I think that's helped Wemby a lot. I think they're in two different phases, right? Because for Chet, it's SGA's team. He can still be supporting cast and just fill in where he needs to and take his time to be that secondary, tertiary option, depending on how active they get Jalen Williams involved. For Wemby, this this is a work in progress. It's his team. <laughs> and so they go as far as he takes them. They're last in the league, but they're going to go as far as they take them. So they're kind of on, you know, divergent paths in terms of their role, but... There's no question, man, you know, after a, a bit of a slow start, you know, uh, he, he took over because in the beginning of the season, it was all Chet. It was all Chet as Wemby kind of tried to get acclimated and, and get his feet wet. And But now this is over with, man. Let me ask you guys a question because mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, covering the draft back when it was the Chet Paulo draft. And I kind of like Chet's upside more than Paulo. So as of now... Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Wemby Chet conversation, especially for this season, is kind of over at this point. But for your franchise, who would you guys take, Chet or Paulo? It's it's tough to even to think about that because yeah. Andrew just pointed out, or I should say, CP pointed out, like Spurs is Wemby's team, Thunder is SGA, SGA's team, and we we haven't really seen Chet be a number one guy. When you look at Paulo, he is the number one guy for the Magic. And yeah. You know, it's easier to say Paulo right now because he's doing that role on the Thunder and the Magic right. are winning and, you know, they're what they're a playing team right now. So you could say it's easier to say Paulo. The way I look at Chet, though, it's like you could I'm very curious to see what Chet would be as a number one option on a team. Thunder are just very they're stacked for years to come. I mean, yeah. if you talk about Chet, Jalen Williams and SGA is like your trio moving forward. That's a ridiculous team. They yeah. Thunder yeah. legitimately 
recreated their big three. And I think moving forward, they're not going to let any one of these guys go because they, they could see the potential of having all three of those guys. And considering that they're like, like the first three, meaning Harden, Westbrook and Katie, they all play different positions, but yeah. And they all fit well next to each other. I think you could move forward saying that they're going to do that. So we, we may never see Chet get to be that number one option, but I think yeah. he would be able to hold his own. I think it would be more of like a Wemby type situation to yeah. not necessarily exactly, but to some degree. I think the the prototype of Chet, it's hard to pass up as a two-way threat, a stretch four who can defend the way that he can defend, can potentially move to the five once he gains more weight and gets a little bit bigger, puts on NBA size, and then stretch the floor even more. Like in this pace and space era, the NBA, he's a piece that you can easily fit guys around. Um, not to say that Paolo isn't. Because he's, he's, he's got a masterful overall game, and I think he's going to continue to get better. I just think when you're putting together a championship team, having that versatile big who has the skill sets to be a three-level score. I mean, you've seen Chet show those flashes. I, I like that prototype a little bit better. I, I think yeah. I like that prototype because you can it's, – it's, I think it's easier to put the pieces around when you have a guy that's so versatile on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. The one thing Go ahead. I'm looking forward to with Chet and Wemby moving forward is that they're both so versatile, man. It's like it's not an easy matchup. It could go yeah. either way any given night. And when you just watch that they both can work the post, work baseline, work at the top of the key, dribble and attack the rim, it is insane to think that that's yeah. a matchup. Hopefully they stay healthy for the next 10 years, right? Uh, yep. And you watch these guys on the court. They're not moving at whitening, whitening pace, but you know when they get – the mileage under them, the years of experience that the game will move faster. You know, they'll be moving faster, but the game will slow down for them. So I can't I can't yeah. wait for that, man. These guys are so dynamic. It's insane where the league's going right now. Facts. Last point, Andrew, and then we'll wrap. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting that these two players are just so young and so good. I'm gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how teams how OKC is gonna build around Chet, and they're not going to build around Chet because they already have SGA. But when you have two, like, seven-foot-plus guys that could do everything, like, will it? Will there be a point where it's going to get difficult for them to play with because they fill so many gaps, right? So I don't know, like, where this goes because it, it's going to be SGA's team for a while, but I don't know how they're good. Like, what kind of players do you need to build around these two? And that's especially specific when it comes to the Spurs because they need to totally rebuild. True indeed, man. Well, great show, fellas. Let's get to it. Salute to everybody in the chat once again, man. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. I see a Roku Saki in the chat. The Artest Effect podcast said my guy Combo is in the building. Let's go. Is that Daniel? Is that Daniel? That is Daniel. That's Shout my guy. We play, we play college basketball together. There we my go. Guy. Shout out to nice. Daniel. Shout out to Daniel Artest, man. We got to get him on the show, man. Got to get Daniel. Definitely. Daniel he's been he's mix. been podcasting now for a long time. For a minute. Definitely got to get him on the show. For a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's definitely get him on the show, man. Shout out to KDOT. Shout out to John Talento. Uh, JJ, I see you in here. Shout out to Gamba, First Class Agency. Uh, Lee, my guy Lee Blocks, I'm checking in from the UK. Remember that these shows are available in audio podcast format. No reason to miss it. And stay tuned for next week, man for NBA Weekly right here on the NBA Report. Also, you got some fire content from Combo's Court. Uh, who, who we got this week? Any Anybody for this week? Yeah, so we're doing a draft episode with Keandre of Hoop Intellect. Okay. Is Bronny, an, is Bronny an NBA player? We discussed that, and is Alex Starr the number one pick? 
a whole bunch of different draft topics. Yeah, so man. look forward look forward to and, that. And who do we have this past week? This past week we had uh I think we had Coach Nick this Coach past Nick. week. Coach Nick. Yep. yep. Absolutely, yep. man. Great stuff. And yeah, man, we'll see you guys next weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe. Great show, fellas. We had it.